Hey, 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 hey. Welcome back, Libertarian Socialists and Wannabes. I know there's some wannabes out there, people that can put aside the left and the right, try to come to considered opinions based upon facts. That's what Libertarian Socialism is about. It's what I'm always pitching here is reasoned debate, reasoned conclusions based upon facts. And where there are no facts, some kind of civil discussion of what the lay of the land is. What facts do we have? What do we believe? And the term socialism really sets people off. <laughs> it's crazy. Americans I don't understand why you don't understand what socialism is, because socialism is a lot of different things. All societies, all social structures have some version of socialism in there. Some collective action has to happen. So using the term socialism isn't communism. Socialism is everything that's between extreme ruthless capitalism and extreme communism. <sighs> But man, <clears throat> watching the debates, Democrats freaking out, I don't think that I'll be comfortable with a, a socialist to talk to ticket. You know, Pete, Biden, Klobuchar, all of them. Amy Klobuchar, after the Nevada debate is being interviewed, and she goes in and launches in again about how she's not going to be comfortable with socialist policies, she's not going to be comfortable with socialist as the nominee, I mean, she is talking about socialism like it's evil. And in that same breath, she then launches in this pitch for universal daycare, free daycare. That is as socialist as anyone else on that stage. That there is the society pays for daycare. Now that's, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad idea. It could be a good idea. It depends on its implementation, probably. But clearly socialism, and the interviewer says nothing. Says zero. And hey, isn't that socialist? Well, oh, it's frustrating as hell to have people call you a communist because you said, the word socialism. And it's very frustrating. Last week, you know, uh, the market's just crashing, going crazy, and everyone's all oh, because Bernie is doing so well, Bernie Sanders is doing well, Biden's flushing, and then Super Tuesday happens, and, you know, well, on Super Monday, all these moderates, you know, they end up, like, pulling out. I mean, if you were an early voter, you just got screwed. I mean, if, you, if I knew you were going to drop out, I didn't think I'd be voting for you. <laughs> Man, talk about manipulation of results. Getting those people to drop out before Super Tuesday. Meaning the pool of voters now is whoever is voting on Tuesday. And Biden's going to get a lot of that support. It's terrible how that worked out. But of course... When Biden wins and does so well, the market actually turns up the next day and everyone's, oh, it's because Biden did so well. That there's a causation there. That Bernie's a socialist, the market's going down, 
Biden's a moderate. Now everyone's comfortable and it's fine. And then, and then the market turns down and there's no taking back of, and because Sanders isn't doing any better, he's doing, you know, is it because Biden's proven to be, you know, uh, on the path to uh, a serious Alzheimer's diagnosis? You know, I'm not trying to be mean to the guy, but, you know, it, he's getting up there and he does seem to be having some symptoms. And I don't think he can stand in any debate against number 45, just tear him up, just tear him up. Fact of the matter is, Bernie Sanders is probably the only guy I really get up there and really, you know, trade punches with. Well, maybe Tulsi could, I guess, uh, who got a delegate and she could be, a, you know, DNC is like going, damn it, what if we have that rule in there that if you got a delegate, you were on the debate stage? Because <laughs> you go, you got Biden, Bernie, and Tulsi on stage, and that's not going to fly. So Tulsi's not going to, even though the rules say she's going to get in debate, that she's not going to get in debate. If there is a debate, which I don't think there will be, but if there is one, uh, it'll be Bernie and, and Biden, and that's it, probably. Um, uh, if Biden's a nominee, I, I think we're going to see four years of four more years. So, I mean, that's just the way it is, guys. The only thing you can say is it's four more years of clear corruption of the United States on display for the whole world, which, of course, is not great. But Sanders has more support in the United States than any other candidate if you're just talking about donors. I mean, that, I think that's, that's an uh, indisputable fact. Therefore, kind of the will of the people is being thwarted there if he doesn't at least get a, a shot at, you know, running against uh, the current uh, occupant. But, you know, such is life. And so, I... I have been working on the book. I have been, and it's been difficult to uh, actually get uh, traction trying to advertise because I get uh, all these hurdles because that term socialism just freaks people out, and I, I and I have problems getting uh, um, getting my ads out. And you know, Facebook's been like allegedly I'm ready to 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 uh, have a political ad, but when I put up a political ad that just has an image of the book on it. You know, image of the book, it's a no so image of the book, it's a no go. But in the video here, I can do, you know, hey, buy the book, Libertarian Socialism, American Style. Uh, go to libertarian-socialism.org and you can find a link to buy the ebook or, you know, a copy of this hard copy. Because um, uh, this particular version it will be going out because I spent some money and got a, uh, so a little more creative. Uh, cover done here and I think that this in which I paid a goodly amount of money for someone to create but this will be the new cover coming out soon maybe before the end of the month I'm gonna push it all the way to Amazon at this point because I also spent the time to uh, you know uh, go through the book and and do one more edit on stuff and you can see you know some of the highlighting and writing in there. I mean, I, I, and I actually, I had to cover the book because I was traveling at one point and I was like, oh man, I'm going to go to the airport and I get socialism on the cover. That'd be a problem. But, you know, yeah, I've been doing stuff. For real, been doing stuff. For real, I've been doing stuff. So you can get that new version of the book cover soon. Or if you'd like to have, the old version would be a collector's edition, right? 
uh, go to libertarian-socialism.org and boom, there's a link in there. And I can push this video and I can push libertarian-socialism.org and the book in here because they have to watch the whole video to actually determine that I might be a problem. And they want videos posted apparently on Facebook. So this is my way of advertising the book right now. So, in any case, uh, I have been working on the book, but at this point, it's mostly money that I've been putting into it to make it better and to market it and to promote it. Um, but, you know, it's frustrating. Like I said, you know, the whole, in fact, I called it libertarian-socialism, even though it's supposed to be, you know, this idea of a patriotic conversation between a, uh, an American libertarian and uh, an on the other side of the conversation is a patriotic American socialist. It's a patriotic conversation. They both believe that they're Americans and they accept the fact that one's a libertarian, one's a socialist. That doesn't mean that they want the country to uh, be destroyed. That American, now that, that's the loss right now. It's like a, a Democrat, Republican. There is this belief that if you're a Republican, you're you know if you're and you're on the Republican side, and Democrats are evil and, and vice versa, and that they're un-American, and that that's just can't be. That's political party bullshit, and you guys got to move on from the left-right war. That is what this book is about. That is what these things are about. I'm telling you, I'm giving you good ideas, and we need some good ideas. We need some good ideas. The thing that's going on in Washington, the impeachment that didn't happen. I mean, the rule of law seems, you know, pretty close to dead. I mean, recently it's Donald Gay that didn't have to testify, or didn't have to honor the, the uh, House of Representatives subpoena and the judicial branch, the appeals court kind of thing. Oh, well, we didn't, we're not here to, like, really referee between the executive and the, and the House of Representatives. I'm just like, what is the judicial branch for if it's not that? And, I mean, what are you guys for if you're not going to do that refereeing? And, you know, well, Memorial Day or so, I imagine we're going to have to see what's going to happen with the tax return thing, for example. Um, because uh, that is going to be quite a fight in the Supreme Court about whether or not, because he seems pretty well set. He didn't want his tax returns out there. And it could be some embarrassing stuff in there. I could only imagine. <laughs> My God. But the guy has been, you know, just Teflon. Nothing, nothing, nothing has been able to stop him. And, I mean, he seems like to have all control of all levers of power right now. I mean, when uh, he called uh, out on Twitter that he thought that the Fed should do a half-point rate cut, and then the half-point rate cut happened the next day, it was like, what, what? lever of power does number 45 not control? I mean, it certainly seems like the republic is truly dead, and, and I don't see where Biden's going to be restoring it, frankly. A, uh, a Bernie versus uh, Trump election could be quite, uh, quite volatile. And, I mean, it could be quite useful to have such a debate. So I had to say I was a little bit worried if Bernie was going to actually get his nomination, though I never thought that the Democrats would let it happen. I never thought that they would. And it seems pretty clear that they won't, but then what's going on with the markets, right? If it's not, a, if it's not socialism, then what's really going on? Could it be these huge tax cuts that don't do 
what what they they say they're going to do, which is you know fund jobs or, or you know fund all this growth. I mean, just because the stock market's booming, you know, it doesn't mean necessarily that the economy's booming. And these are all just numbers when you got uh, all these people that are homeless. Just because the statistics say that everything's great, there is still the on the street at a kind of more granular level, what is going on and what is going on is not that heartening. So, you know, I mean, that's one reason why I watch uh, news across uh, from different countries and to get different news. And one of the things that I've uh, heard about and been listening to is the coronavirus. The coronavirus thing is a pretty big deal and is that the reason why the markets are down? The coronavirus, is that the reason why they're down? Well, I mean, it's definitely a supply shock. I mean, and China is right there in the middle of the supply chain and they really shut down their economy to take care of this. And unfortunately, we don't have that many facts over here. And the coronavirus really is kind of, at this point, it makes uh, a strong case for some kind of socialized medicine in this country. Some kind of socialism, people. Would probably be helpful right now. Because right now, if you get quarantined and you're going to have to test, you're getting a you know, huge insurance bill for a couple thousand dollars for a coronavirus test. So, of course, you might not want to get tested. And there's not enough tests. And when you have this kind of corruption and cronyism, you don't have expertise in the um, agencies that are part of your uh, social safety net running, your social safety net uh, of your nation and government. And hence, they don't go with their proper equipment and they end up putting people who may have been exposed onto airplanes. And because we don't have enough tests, because it's more of a, a capitalism-driven thing over here, the medical industry, we don't really know how far and wide it's been. It could be all over the place right now. And so the panic that's happening right now, I, uh, I just think, come on, let's just be a little less uh, uh, hysterical because the reality is it's probably already over here. From what I'm hearing, on overseas TV, like in Japan, listen to a Japanese doctor, because Anthony Fauci's kind of been shut down. So I listen to a Japanese doctor, they're kind of interesting, listen to him talk, where he's saying, well, you know, the interviewer's asking him some questions. It's slowing down in China, the interviewer's saying, and he's going, yes, it is, but, you know, Chinese took some pretty draconian measures over there. Maybe measures that we can't take over here. And she's like, well, what do you mean by that? And he takes some time answering that, like he's concerned he's going to say the wrong thing. Finally, he starts talking about specific things that need to be done and why they need to be done, like closing schools, as soon as you see an outbreak in any particular area. Because it apparently, young people can have the disease and they don't show any symptoms at all. So you can have it spreading it all over the place, don't even know you have it. But middle-aged people and older people, especially advanced-age people, big problem. Um, and so intergenerational mixing, like at schools, becomes you know ground zero for a big outbreak, so that's why. And so that's why potentially it's all over the United States right now too, because young people could have it all, and, it's, and we haven't been testing. We just don't even know what's going on over here. Our numbers are just, you know, unreliable because of how we do things over here, which is just chaotic.
So in the countries like Italy and Japan, where you have some outbreaks, and even in China, you have a lot of older people. And so, I mean, that can be one reason why it is a little more of a, a problem in particular countries than, say, you know, France or Britain. You know, Italy has one of the older populations in, in Europe. But again, you know, what's going to happen over here, you have to, it has to be clear to you. Where this is reality, okay? Reality. I'm talking reality. Our nation's pretty corrupt. Government's pretty corrupt. There's not a lot of competence in government anymore because of cronyism. In this capitalist version of the healthcare that we have over here, everything's driven by money. Not everyone has money, so not everyone's going to get tested. So it's everywhere, right? It's everywhere. And the fact is, is we've had these kind of problems all over the country, and we're kind of ignoring them. Hepatitis outbreaks because of homelessness. I mean, we're on the verge of having, the, you know, we get a like, typhoid outbreak. You know, typhus could break out and uh, other, you know, dysentery and things could get ugly because of our homeless populations and we're ignoring that. So, you know, this is not something that is a problem in, say, Japan or China, the biggest homeless population. So, what's going to happen over here? We are not going to be able to shut down the, our economy the way the Chinese did. As far as the Japanese doctor did know, you know, we are going to have to try and do this Japanese way, as he noticed the things that they would have to do. Or we're going to have to do it the Chinese way. And the Chinese way was very harsh. Very harsh. You're a Chinese citizen. You have the Chinese citizen app. When you're quarantined in your area, when you get and you have to go shopping for food, you get out there and you sign into the Chinese citizen app and you give them your temperature. Then you go about your business, you come back and do the same thing on your porch. And you report back to the central government what the temperature is. And because everything's automated, everything is, you know, technology is that powerful now, they can do that kind of lockdown. But imagine trying to do that over here. People are not going to cooperate. What are you going to do? You know, if you didn't do that in China, somebody would be knocking on your door. It's a different deal. So over here, it's just chaos. And uh, so, you know, watching overseas news a bit, you know, you get some idea of maybe what might what be coming by watching Japanese news, for example. And so one thing is the run on toilet paper was big in Japan because people thought that uh, the face masks were made out of the same uh, materials as toilet paper and toilet paper was going to run out. So it was just this rumor. When it turns, you know, these N95 masks are not, don't use the same material. It's really not that, there's not that much of a conflict in material at all except for those really cheesy masks, potentially. So, I mean, we have a run on toilet paper over here and a run on this kind of stuff. I mean, I don't understand why that's happening in the United States right now. Okay, reality, reality, yeah. Why are you hoarding toilet paper? Why is there a run on toilet paper? Why, why? There's not a run. The dysentery issue that I mentioned still exists, always existed, if that's what you're worried about. Because, I mean, what... It just doesn't make any sense. Are you worried that you're not going to have toilet paper to wipe your butt? I mean, talk about affluenza. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. I mean, if it's really this bad, you're really this afraid, you're not going to be able to go out at all. I mean, maybe you need to just put some gas in the gas tank, go out and camp out, you know, out in the woods somewhere for a while, I guess, if that's what you really think is going to happen. But like I said, I mean, these other... Diseases are just stalking our population and you're kind of ignoring them. So, I mean, you need to be real. So I give you some real advice. Because it's so chaotic over here, 
you're going to get exposed. You're probably already exposed. So if you think you've been exposed, this, this is an answer. Zycam, zinc swabs, in your uh, nasal passages if you're feeling sick or you are um, thinking you've been exposed somehow. This is like an after-effect exposure. This makes sense because that's what's going to happen over here. And when I went to buy some Zycam, they are starting, people are starting to figure that out. So, Zycam, I could see getting some of that because if you're really worried about it, and maybe you should be if there's an outbreak nearby, and quarantines suck, I get that. So, I mean, if you're stocking up, getting ready for a quarantine, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, that's, you know, that's some real advice for you there on some preventive measures as far as anything. I mean, influenza is deadly as you get older. That's why, you know, they have uh, pneumonia vaccines because pneumonia becomes a secondary thing that happens to older people when they get these respiratory infections, viral infections. And this is um, a threat throughout society in this season. And there's some hope that, you know, during the summer, coronavirus will uh, potentially be seasonal like influenza and not be quite as uh, transmittable. We'll see about that. I mean, that's another thing. I mean, you have all this panic about it right now and the world's going to end, blah, 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 blah. And then it turns out that it's a seasonal thing. We're going to have a whole six-month hiatus to kind of figure out what we're going to do. And that's why I'm not that disturbed about it. I mean, I'm distressed. Schools are going to be closed down. There's going to be some impact for sure. I'm a little concerned that there could be a big push for some real changes to freedom of movement and a, a, a growth and authoritarian monitoring of people through this fear factor of the coronavirus and they're going to implement the Chinese way. I think that's very concerning to me. Because I think there's some possibility they may need to because there's some possibility that this whole stock market thing isn't related to socialism or the coronavirus, but in fact is related to monetary policy in the United States of America. And that one has to ask the question, if number 45's policies are so great for the economy, then why did the uh, uh, Fed have to do these insurance cuts? It, they're clearly just juicing the economy and juicing the market with all of this liquidity. It's essentially just printing money. And when the stock market started to turn down in late 2018, instead of letting that happen, they tried to meddle. That meddling, you know that's going to go bad, eventually. And that's what's kind of going on now, is it's going bad. I mean, how much more can they cut? And cutting doesn't do anything with the virus anyway. If there's going to be a true and horrible supply shock all throughout you know, the all supply chains globally for an extended period of time, then the, you know, rate cuts probably aren't going to help that. So, what is going on? I mean, one had to, what about the repo market? What's going on there? What seems like the Fed's engaged in QE while it's doing these cuts? 
This is an enormous amount of liquidity being injected in the city, money printing. And if other countries aren't coming to buy treasury bonds at these rates, then the Fed will have to buy them. And at some point, that system breaks. I think Argentina could have a lesson or two for us right now. We should maybe pump the brakes. That could be a positive for a Biden uh, presidency, if that's what we're going to see. Um, and I think maybe Bernie Sanders might have a bit of a Jimmy Carter problem in that there's a lot of support for him among the people, but when he gets in the office, he can't get anything done. And he's opposed by both parties. I think that would probably be a, a problem for him if he were to get elected. Not that I'm saying I wouldn't vote for him. If he, if it's Bernie or number 45, I'm going to vote for Bernie. Okay, I'm going to say that right now. If Tulsi launches a third-party campaign, going to have some problems, going to have some soul-searching to do. So, uh, cause she didn't promise she wouldn't launch a third-party campaign like Bernie did twice now. So, anyway, it's probably time for your chess lesson, right, Americans? So you can be clear thinkers, helping you with your logic. Okay, it's time for the chess lesson. Time for the chess lesson. All right, so we did. We last time we went through the move, just moved to pieces, you know. Yeah, you know how the bishop, for example, can only move, you know, on its color that it starts on, like one C, on just this white square here. So the. Uh, the game of chess requires you to remember these things, you know, you got this jumping move, right? Go through this. Now, when I was going through the moves and I was telling you about the moves, I, I just kind of talked about the pawn going one, like that, and that it couldn't move forward if there was a another piece in front of it, right? It had to stop couldn't go forward. It couldn't capture it like the other like the pieces could. In fact, it can only capture diagonally. So depending on whose move it is, this black pawn right here could take this uh, pawn here or this pawn here could take that pawn depending on whose move it is at, at this moment. So Pawn structure, it's the basics of the game. It's the foundation of everything. It helps your mobility. It makes you have a defensible position. And so understanding pawn moves and pawn structure is key to the game. So you got to remember the moves of the pieces, but you got to remember this kind of complicated pawn stuff about how they can't, they can't capture going forward. They capture different than they move, unlike the pieces. So in the pieces... I remember the move, I also know how it captures. In the case of the pawn, that is different, right? My capturing as a pawn is different than my move as a pawn. Then, to make things even more fun and hard to remember, is the very first time you move a pawn, you can move them two squares and not just one. <laughs> okay, wow. That's cool, right? I got to remember that one too. Okay. And so you could move them one. Most of the time, you will move them two if you move one of these center pawns. You will move them two that first move. Boom. 
And the other thing, unlike pieces, pawn, I uh, move to, I can't, for whatever reason, I can't move them back. Can't move pawn back. So, uh, pawns got some complexity there as far as all these like little nuances. How do they move? How do they capture? Is different than memorizing the, the moves of pieces. So, you might move them to, say you move to, boom, other side moves to, like that, there. That's a common start of the game, actually. And it's, uh, another potential move would maybe be do that, right? I move two, and now this pawn could take that pawn. That's possible, might do that. Um, take the pawn. Like that. That's the only way to take. Then, of course, the queen could take. Boom. Like that. But, let's say they didn't do that. Let's say they did something else. Like, they did that. To like protect their pawn. Make like a pawn chain. It's called pawn chain here. Their pawns, like, protect each other. This is where a bishop on a dark square could be a problem for you. You can see, you know, if you have a dark square bishop and you're behind your pawn chain here, you can't get out. And, um, you know, if the other guy's uh, got a, a light square bishop, even he can't attack your pawns, but he can move them around in there. Depending on middle game or end game, it can matter. Anyway, this is a pawn chain. So, he did that. Uh, I'm going to do this, right? So, get push it up again. And then this other guy, he does this. Boom. Like that, because he can move too, right? Ha! You know, they added that rule somewhere out in medieval times. I forgot exactly when they did it. I want to say 1500s, something like that. They allowed you to move two. It was like a new rule. Before, you could only move one. You could only move one like this. And then, later on, they changed it. Oh, the first move, you could move two to kind of speed the game up, I guess. Not sure exactly why the choice was made. But anyway, you were allowed to move two. However... Because in the old days, if you wanted to get there, you'd have to stop on that square momentarily. It'd take two moves to get there in the old days. If you did this on your first move, and there was an opposing guy sitting there, he could take you. En passant. Boom. In French for in passing. Boom, took you. Now, I only have that choice right there. The next move, I can say, en passant, I take that way. If something else happens, like I do that, and that, and, and this happens, then I couldn't do it next move. You know, couldn't do that kind of stuff. So you can see, pawn, pawn stuff can be, you know, kind of complicated because there's a lot of stuff to remember about how the pawn moves. Right, move two the first time if you want, though you don't have to. Right, see, I move this guy one, no problem. Move that guy one. This is a, a common way to develop your bishop, actually. Gonna be in kettle your bishop, a totally another video being kettling the bishop. Um, but in any case, right, move him just one there, make that little uh, spot for my bishop. Um, but then the, the move is not the capture, the capture is a different thing. 
right? It's this diagonal thing. And then on top of it all, you got this impassante. thing. Then, of course, there is that great thing where at the end of the game, boom, 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 you get all the way to the other side. That's where you can say, oh, my pawn gets over there. I want to be a queen or a rook or a knight, whatever you might be. In any case, pawn promotion is how m most professional chess games end if they go all the way to the end, um, into the end games. It's, or the threat of pawn promotion. I like, I'm not going to be able to stop that pawn, so I resign. Because you know, when, because lots of times it's just a, that's the difference. It's a pawn, half a pawn difference between the professional players. Take that pawn into the, you know, into the end game. Trade pieces, trade pawns. You got that one pawn, you get to the other side, you get a queen. A queen and a king, that's a win. So, and, and that's, you know, part of these videos here, I think, is uh, I'm going to concentrate on getting a win. You get one pawn, or if they get a, a, a piece, how to convert that into a win. But first you got to learn the simple stuff. Pawns, complicated stuff there, right? Two, first move, one thereafter, so it's always one after that. One, one. Capturing, diagonal. Don't think too much about the empassant thing. It's kind of a nuance. But it exists. It's a bit of a history thing, too. And then pawn promotion. Pawn promotion. So there you go. Chess. Chess for the average American. And if you want to actually see this and not just hear what I'm saying, then, of course, you have to go get the videos on Facebook or I do put them on YouTube. Um, Progressively Restoring American Greatness. Uh, channel. So, you want to see the video, see this stuff at the end of the podcast where I do talk about chess, um, and you want to see the uh, the board, then you got to go to uh, Facebook page for Libertarian uh, Socialism, or go to the YouTube channel Progressively Restoring American Greatness, or hey, Libertarian-Socialism.org, and I'm going to start putting links there to these videos. In any case, Americans, you need to learn how to play chess. It helps you in real life. It really does. It helps you make and you know make decisions. Figure out what's bad, what's good, because you got to keep all the stuff in your head. And you you work through things. And no matter what I tell you here, and in any one of your games, you're going to have to figure it out. You're going to have to figure it out. And that figuring out is great for. A lot of other things in life. Politics in particular, I think, maybe. So maybe that's why I'm doing it. Maybe it's just listening to the 4chan, 8chan crowd talk about how number 45 playing 4D chess just got really got on my nerves. <laughs> and I decided I'm going to teach Americans how to play chess so they can be friggin' rational. Not thinking the world's going to end because the coronavirus is coming. So. Peace, libertarian socialists, and wannabes go to libertarian-socialism.org, buy the book with the new cover, right on.